All right. Welcome to Made Man, a podcast where I watch every single episode of Mad Men, and then I give you my instant reaction. They're going to be short episodes. There's going to be no real planning, no research. I'm probably going to get things wrong. I'm definitely going to get names wrong, and I'm just going to kind of speak off the cuff. Uh, I've never seen an episode of Mad Men before, but that changes right now. Happy Tuesday, everybody. But is it really a happy Tuesday? Is it? Really? Tell me. I don't think it is. Because I just finished watching episode 14, season 7 of Mad Men, person to person. And when I say I just finished watching it, I should actually um, clarify that. I finished watching it, and then I turned it on, restarted it, and watched it again. Yes, for the first time ever, I watched the episode of Mad Men twice. And also, for the last time ever, I watched the episode of Mad Men twice. Because as you all know, and I know, this is the last episode, the series finale of Mad Men. We did it. But... Before we get any further into this very interesting and wonderful episode, let's take a moment to hear from today's sponsor. Oh, what a wonderful sponsor that was. And normally this is where I would play any voicemail messages that I got, but I screwed up. I saw that I had voicemails left uh, from my good friend Raphael, but Raphael... I apologize. I thought you left him for this finale episode, and I didn't see them in time for the Milk and Honey route. Uh, thank you for them. They were great to listen to. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you sending them in. All right. Now, let's get started talking about... I mean, it's like... I feel like I should be doing something special here. This is it. This is the last episode of Mad Men. Before everything changes, and hopefully you stay with me. But let's, let's wait, let's, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, person to person. Opens up, now th- when I watched this episode the second time, m- my first thought was, oh my God, this is where we started, and this is where we ended? Like, so much happens from the start to the end, to, to the, kind of the three major characters of this episode, which I would say, I guess four major characters. I would say are Peggy, Roger, Joan, and Dick Whitman, Mr. Donald Draper. And to a lesser extent, we see, um, well, others. So, shall we? The episode opens up with just a wide open desert. And I'm thinking, okay, what the hell is going on here? And we see this race car just driving along, cranking this big muscle race car. And who's behind the wheel? Mr. Donald Draper. And I'm like, like, what the hell is going on? Like, I like that not everything is explained. I do enjoy that. I don't like where things are over. I don't like things are completely underexplained. But I kind of like this. You know, Don's just 
going from place to place. He's a man of mystery, a man uh, looking for discovery. Last week, he's getting beaten up by by uh, guys at the VFW because they think they took his money. And uh, this week, he seems to have hooked up with a couple of young uh, gearheads who are looking to take their car to a racetrack. And uh, but they need money, and it seems like he's there to kind of help them, sponsor them, stake them. Uh, is what they said. They, they, he's basically going to give them money so they can race a car, and he's just kind of hanging out with them. He's they're like, you know, a lot about cars, but without have you know for not having one. And he's kind of like, he seems to have been with them for a while because he talks to them very um, like he knows them. Like, oh, you know. He leans to the left and that and this, and he's drinking beer with them, and they're all kind of hanging out, and that's it. Like, we see these guys in this seat, in this scene, in one other scene, and never again. And it's like, okay, there was just like, it's like that Incredible Hulk thing where the guy comes, the mysterious man comes in, you know, saves a bunch of people, then moves on to the next thing. And it's like, is this what Don is finally needing? Because he can't, you know. He he wants to just kind of pick up and move from place to place, and without a without a tie, you know, anything tying him down. No wife to tie him down. Sure, he's got three children at home, um, but you know, I guess he figures they're fine. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. That'll come up. But he's um, while he is hanging out with the race car people way back in New York, uh, we see Roger hanging out with um, his hanging out. He's at work with his secretaries. Uh, and it's it's funny they're they're talking, and he's got his major main secretary and Meredith, and he, Meredith's like I translated your speech to Pig Latin. He's like I was kidding, thought that was really funny, and his secretary who I can never remember his her name, um, said you know I have the uh, I have the package for you, and he's like what package you know the one from Canada. And he's like, what are you talking about? She says, the one from Canada with all the luggage. He's like, Meredith knows about Marie. You know, like she was kind of trying to cover him up, trying to uh, cover up the fact that he's got this woman coming into town. He's like, she knows what, that he's with, you know. Oh, Meredith knows about Marie. And she goes, she's Megan's mother. And it was just really funny. She goes, okay, I'll leave you to it then. And he realizes that leaving it to it actually means she, um, she has to let, he has to let Meredith go. He's like, look, our little ruse is up. I really thought I'd be back by now, but unfortunately, I don't need two secretaries. He's like, don't worry, you'll always, I'll give you the recommendation he would, and you'll always, you'll end up on your feet. She's like, I always do. She's just always positive, but it was funny because she thought he died. Like, is is he? Did he die? No, no, no. I don't, I don't think so. He's like, I figure we would have heard about that. Well, I'm sure he's in a better place. I don't think he's dead. Well, there's still, a, a, there are better places than here. And Roger's just like, yeah, you make a point. I, thought, I love when he gives those little like, eh, not, not, you know, you're not wrong. I thought that was really funny. So that was the last time. And I'm going to kind of notice when we see the last time we see someone. I think, that's the la- I think that's the last time we see Meredith. And that's the last time we see Roger's secretary. Um, we cut over to a McCann, I don't know, board meeting. Uh, more, you know, meeting where they're kind of talking about all the different... Um, accounts and Peggy is with Stan hanging out. Now this is like when I tell you where we started to where we ended from much of these characters is crazy, crazy. 
Um, so there's a woman there running the meeting who's got a very thick New York accent. And, it, you know, she's handing out all the things, telling what they're going to be working on. And Peggy's like, wait, are we no longer on Chevalier? And you see Stan's just like, whatever. You can just kind of do what you do. But Peggy wasn't going to stand for that. She's like, does Ted know? Does Dave know? Or Dan or whatever his name is? And she grabs her at the end of the meeting. She's like, do you have a minute? How come we're not on Chevalier? Like, oh, well, when uh, this guy took over after Pete left, he guess he has his favorites. And she's like, I thought David wanted us on it. And she's like, I guess he didn't. Oh, well, does he know? She's like, I don't know. We could call him. Just kind of joking if you're unhappy. And the woman walks away and Peggy's like, yeah, okay, let's do that. Why don't we call him? Or Betty, why don't we go to his office right now? And the woman just looks at Peggy and she's like, fine, you can have, you can get, you can have it. I don't care. And you could see Stan was just like, oh, like you could, I think Stan liked it. But at the same time, he's just like, why do you cause so much trouble? That's the look I got on Stan's face. He just had this like, what are you doing? What's going on? But Peggy was really happy that she stood up for herself and got the job she wanted to get. Or the, the account that she knew she wanted. We cut over to Dawn with, I'm going to say, just a random blonde woman. Who I think was the woman inside hanging out with the race car drivers. And she's like, Dawn actually seems to know these things. He, he I don't know if it's because of his upbringing with, you know, in the whorehouse. Or if he's just a smart guy. But he, the woman comes to bed and he's like, I saw you hung up my pants. She's like, yeah. He goes, did my wallet fall out? She's like, what is that supposed to mean? And he goes, well, I just was checking. He goes, well, I just wanted to make sure that you were from Detroit. No, he goes, I just wanted to see who you were. These guys think maybe you're from Detroit trying to steal their secrets. And he's like, um, can I, uh, can I go, should I go check? Did you leave me anything? She has this look on her face. He goes, why don't you get your purse? And she's, oh, she's like, um, you never paid for it before, so apparently this girl's either a hooker or I don't know what it was. But um, Don's like, you know, I, I would pay for it when I'm given the chance, but I would like to be doing it, you know. Um, I, the way he said it was like, I, I'd rather pay for it than, gets, than uh, you know, be robbed. And he gives the woman the money, and she smiles. She's like, I'm sorry, thank you. And what's the ring for? He goes, you were going to steal it. And she just smiles, and then they do it. They just have the sex. So Don still... Still conquesting random women when he gets the chance, I suppose. Uh, remember, he I think he wanted to get that woman in the pool last week. Um, and when I tell you, again, from where we start to where we end, the drastic changes in this one episode, it happens again as we see Joan hanging out in Florida with her boyfriend. I really don't remember his name, and I don't care to remember his name. They're hanging out in Florida. He's like, you sent those postcards. We're going to be home. Before those postcards even get there, she's like, yeah, but I wanted them to say whatever, Florida. She wanted the postcards to, uh, she wanted to send postcards that said Key West on them. You know, I think that was just showing that she was in Key West. And he pulls out some cocaine. Cocaine. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, cocaine seems like the 80s drug where 80s yuppie business Wall Street men went crazy. That's what I think of when I think of cocaine. Um, yet, this is, what, 1970? So, cocaine is just getting started? Like, I feel like there was a time where people looked at cocaine in a way that people look at 
marijuana now. Like, or they, maybe maybe I'm wrong, but they, they kind of didn't be like, oh my God, you're a cocaine person. They just thought of it as like, oh, you're a little cocaine. I mean, okay, I've heard about it. I guess I'll try a little. Uh, you know, didn't think about addictions or anything like that. Like, they didn't know. So they just thought it was some sort of recreational thing that, you know, get you high. And um, that it seems like that is the case with Joan and her boyfriend. She's like, um, who gave you cocaine for a birthday present? And he's like, oh, an old friend, an old guy I used to work with. And he's like, come on, you said we try everything. And so, okay, they, they both did a couple toots of coke. And she seemed really uh, into it. And she seemed like, oh, she's like, it's like I just got the best news ever. And um, they're just like, they do a little, little, little cocaine. They could feel it right away. And then they kind of, uh, he goes, you could live like this all the time. She's like, what, the cocaine? He's like, no, I'm not talking about the cocaine. Just, you can have everything. You can have it all. Um, he goes, like, you should, he, obviously he wants to be with her. Um, but she's like, I, he goes, you can feel spoiled. She's like, I feel spoiled living in New York. He's like, yeah, but you could have it all. Kevin doesn't Kevin doesn't have to go to school in New York. You can be away from your mother. Who cares? You can have everything you want here. And um, I guess he's like, you know, he, he, he basically is throwing his, telling her he wants to be with her. And um, he wants her in his life forever. And she's like, do you, do you want to, um, she's like, do you want to get married? He's like, no. She's like, I want you so much right now. And then she, uh, they basically do it. They have some cocaine sex, I guess is what you could say. Um, and again, from where we are to where we get to. Remember that. That's kind of the big thing in this, uh, in this episode. Cut back to a New York and McCann and Peggy's working in an office. And in comes Mr. Peter Campbell. They're all going to go out for lunch. Pete. Harry Crane and Joan and um, all from original Sterling Cooper went many, many years ago. Um, and this was kind of their goodbyes to each other. Uh, but this is it. This is the only time we see Harry in this episode. So Pete comes in. He's, you know, he's going to go for lunch. But Peggy's like, I look, I can't. I apologize. We're going to have to say goodbye now. Um, she got Pete's holding like gifts that he got. He got a cookie. He got some he got a cactus that he gives to Joan. And Harry comes in and Pete's like, sorry, it's just going to be the two of us. And Harry's like, do you, can you, do you know who I gave up lunch with? And Peggy's like, oh, someone important. And Harry's just, Harry's a dick. Um, and he, you know, Harry's like, oh, this was, you know, this was supposed to be us. This was supposed to be a thing. And he leaves and Peggy's like, he, he acts like we're a thing. We've literally never gone to lunch ever before. Um, so, but this was actually, you know, as much as. I've hated Pete over the years. Something, I think maybe something clicked in him because he's, maybe he's finally, he finally matured. I don't know what it is, but Pete got the friggin' happy ending. I mean, look, other people got happy endings, but Pete, he got the happy ending. And there was just a nice little moment between him and Peggy. And you have to remember, there is a, there is a deep rooted connection there. Somewhere in the world, there is a child that they've, Sired? Is that the, the, the... What the hell? I don't even know what the word I'm looking for is. But somewhere in the world, there's a child that they conceive. That's the word. Um, and uh, it's just like there's a bond. There's a connection that, that you know, no one... Not, not many people can have with each other, and they have it. And I'm, like Pete knows, right? I, yeah, Pete, Pete found out. Um, 
but they've also they've also had some sort of connection. Um, it's, it'd be weird to go, uh, be interesting to go back and watch the series now, watch it again, as I've um, as someone who knows where things end up, um, to see wow how far how far they've come. You know when Piggy was living living like in a dorm almost when Pete showed up and impregnated her. Um, but now they just had like a little moment. He's like, look, you could be a creative director by 1980. And she's like, oh my God, that's 10 years. She's like, that seems so far away. He's like, it is possible. And so he, he did say a really nice thing. He goes, someday people are going to be like, you know, people are going to bra- be bragging that they got to work with you. And um, he's like, she's like, I don't even know what to say to that. And he goes, um, you know, I wouldn't even, how do you respond to that? He's like, I don't know. No one's ever said it to me. It was just, he said all the right things and it felt sincere, which is crazy because usually I, I want to, you know, slap Pete in the face, but, um, I don't know. I just thought it was a really nice moment. Um, look, what's funny in this episode is the title of the episode is person to person. And yet in this episode, Don has most of his interactions with the people that we care about the most over the phone. Now, the phone calls are quote-unquote person-to-person, which I guess is the same thing as a collect call. I don't know how that works. But maybe they're called collect calls now? Excuse me. Um... But the first thing we do is we see him on the phone with Sally. Now, you remember that Sally last time was talking to him and joking with him because she knows he's off traveling and um, joking about still, you know, going to um, Madrid, I think, or someplace. I don't know. Uh, and, and, and Don and her just the, the, the repartway, rapport, rapport, rapport. I don't know. I can't think the way they talk to each other. I like it. And um, this time Sally's just not into it. She's like, uh-huh, yep, you're in Utah? Oh, he's like, yeah, I'm going to be, um, you know, they race cars out here. And he's talking about the land speed record. And he's, she's like, uh-huh, yep. And he's like, what's wrong? He could tell something was wrong. She's like, nothing, I'm not supposed to tell you. And then finally he tells her, she tells him about Betty. And the first, like, you feel bad because Don's like, oh, your mother's not dying. She's, she's just a hypochondriac. And then Sally just says she has lung cancer, and the doctor says she has six months to live. And at that exact moment, boom, a flip was switched, which isn't a saying. But if you switch it around and say a switch was flipped, that is the proper saying. I can't believe I just said a flip was switched. But a switch was flipped in Don, and he kind of cracked, I feel like, at this moment. And he didn't correct himself for almost the rest of the episode, I think. And I watched again. I said, I feel like this is the moment where he kind of cracked. There's another moment where he also kind of has a sense of awakening. That's much later in the episode. Um, This was a long one. This one was over an hour long, almost an hour long. And um, so, I mean, I'm guessing on... TV with commercials was probably a 90 minute episode 
it's late. I'm tired, and I am yawning a lot. I apologize. This is the big one. This is the big moment. But what do you expect from me? Of course, you expect nothing but the mediocre middle that I am constantly giving you on a consistent, consistent basis. So when he tells Sally, and when, when Sally tells him, you could just see that um, you could see just like the the. I don't know what to say, but you could just see the, the seriousness in that um, took him over. And at that point, he's like, "I'm coming home." And Sally's like, "No, you can't come home." She doesn't. She doesn't even want you to know. He's like, "I got to be here for Dean. For for, for you'll come live with me." And it's weird because even Sally's like, "No, you got to let the you got to let the boy stay with the Hen with Henry." He's like, "What?" He goes, they, they, they just wouldn't, you don't want them changing schools and changing homes right now. And she's like, um, he's like, I'm telling you this because she wants him to live with Uncle William, which is, uh, you know, the uncle. And he, and nobody wants them, she, like uh, Betty wants him to live with Uncle William and she wants them to stay with Henry. And it's like, daddy, it's going to be so hard on them already. They should at least be in the same bed at the same school. And he's like, this is a grown-up thing. You don't let the grown-ups be decisions. She's like, I shouldn't even be telling you this. Like, it's the fact that Sally was, like, so mature to be like, just let the boys have some sense of normalcy. Um, and it was that she's telling her own father, let the boys stay with the stepfather. Um, and your mother wants them to stay with the uncle. That was crazy that Sally did that. That was, that was crazy. There's, it was... Um, I, it's like so I love their interaction but it, like so mature that she has to be the one to be like you know they, they're probably better off without you it was just awful and then he of course immediately calls Betty in this phone call again it was this is the first time you hear person to person I have a Betty I have a uh, person to person phone call for Betty Francis from Donald Draper and she accepts so it seems like that's the collect call and then I go, oh, there's person to person. Um, and even though this really isn't person to person, it's over the phone. This phone call, I don't want to say it broke me, but you just like, he knows. He's like, you know, I talked to, to Sally. Oh, she's like, do you want to talk to the boys? He's like, no. Right away, she knew. And she's like, I don't want anybody to know. I didn't want you to know. Everyone, no one can, can keep a freaking secret. Um, he's like, I'm coming home. And she yells at him. You're definitely not. I need to be there for my kids. He's like, I don't want you to upset them. You know, this is my business. And, you know, she's like, I didn't even want, she didn't want Sally to know. Uh, and you could see Don was like, don't worry. They'll come live with me. And Betty's like, listen, I want them to live with the, with uncle William. They need to have a woman in their life. And you, and you could still be living your life just like the way you are, just like the way you want. He's like, I'm their father. He goes, you can come every weekend and you, and, and, um, you can come every other weekend and see them. And she goes, and, uh, he goes, but actually, when's the last time you did see them? Uh, and he's like, I didn't know. Um, she kind of gives him a little guilt thing. And you could just see Don kind of like, you could feel that, he, you know, he's right. He's like, you're right. You're right. Um, but he's like, I didn't know. I didn't know. And then it's like, look, I appreciate your intentions, but you know, I, I really want to keep things as normal as I can right now. And I really don't want to change anything. And part of that, that normalcy is you not being here. And you could just see like the, 
that, maybe this is the moment when Don just kind of broke. And he starts, you could see him starting to cry, and he calls her Birdie, which just breaks me. And she starts crying, and I'm just like, look, I'm tearing up just thinking about it. Uh, because there is a history there. They made the, they, they raised a family, um, and they're just both crying. And, um, you know, they're crying on the phone, but not saying anything. And she's like, he just says Birdie, and she says, I know. And, you know, I have to go. And I think this is the moment. Um, he's like, I'll talk to you soon. She's like, yep, okay, goodbye. But who knows? Who knows? They never, we never see them talk again. She hangs up the phone. She's all upset, crying. Don hangs up the phone. He's, you know, just like drinking back a beer. And I think this is, he kind of keeps drinking that beer because we'll see him later. And for, for, the, for the next while, for just about most of the rest of this episode, he is just broken. And um, it takes like, I don't know. It takes something, and, I, and I'll, I we'll get there. We'll get there later um, to, to kind of bring him out of it. So we cut over to Joan, and Joan has been um, asked uh, to dinner by Ken Cosgrove. Why Ken? My favorite one-eyed man who who I loved, who um, screwed um, the, the uh, you know, Roger and Pete. Loved it. Um, he has Joan there because... Joan's like, do you still have that Rolodex? Oh, he says to Joan, do you still have that Rolodex? Uh, and he's he's like, we need to produce these films for Dio Chemical, and the, the scripts are terrible, and uh, do you know a producer who used to work for Bird's Eye? And she's like, yeah, I think so. He goes, look, I, if you could just, um, you know, he basically says, here's a, a $50,000 um, budget, and there's, uh, if you could find the right people for the job. And I saw Joan look at the contract, and kind of look at it like, hmm, she didn't just, um, she didn't just say, okay, I'll find this guy and he'll do all the work for you. Basically, I'll just be the middleman. She kind of looked at it and just kind of, when she looked at it, I thought, I wonder why she's, she definitely is focusing on that and made a little face almost like she found that contract very interesting or the details of it very interesting. And I think that's where, what leads to what she does next, um, but we cut back over to Don, who is still in some motel in Utah, and those two race car drivers show up, and thank God these guys are just a couple of, you know, good, uh, you know, I'm going to guess Salt Lake City Mormons, I have no idea, just that's what I think of when I think of Utah, um, but just a couple of uh, race, race, car driven, uh, race car loving guys, because they go in to see Don, and Don's, you know, you could see he's three sheets to the wind. And they're like, Don, hey, they're like, we can't take money from him like this. When you think of the difference, the people that Don has run into over the years, including that guy last week, who, that, that kid who stole all the money. Uh, and these two guys are so honest. They're like, we can't take money from him when he's in this state. Uh, and the guy's like, Don, you promised to stake us. You don't have to come with us, but you did promise. Um, and Don's like, nope, nope, I'm coming. I'm coming. He's waving his money. He's like, I just, you, can you guys just drop me in LA? And, um, he's stumbling, bumbling drunk, but it seems like he's going to go with them. And that's the last time we see those guys. So whatever the story was of Don testing race car, race cars out and being with these guys and, and staking money on them to rent and run some race. This is where it ends because we never see them again. And there's something that I love about that. It's just this weird, like, 
what the hell was that? Where did these guys come from? Like, who, what is their story? It may, they, like, Matthew Weiner wrote and directed this episode, and he kind of created this little story that makes you want more about it and want to know more about it, but you're not going to know any more about it, and there's nothing to it. He doesn't, he doesn't tell us anything. He just shows us. I love that. Show me, don't tell me. He kind of, with very little detail about what they were doing, he, um, he, he wrote this kind of little story, this little side world that I don't even know what the hell it hit to call it. Um, but I loved it. Cutting back over, and Joan is hanging out with her, uh, with her son in the kitchen, and they have a small color TV in the kitchen. And I'm like, to me, that means you got money. Because, I, I mean, we had a TV, always had a TV in the kitchen growing up. But for years, it was a black and white TV. Um, remember, like, if you had the, the UHF uh, channels, so you, with the big dial, you'd go thump, 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 thump. And then you, you'd switch it over to VHF, and, wait a minute, no, I'm sorry, the VHF channels were the thump, 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 thump you know, two, four, five, six. Then you go to VHF with a tick, 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 tick. They had all, uh, tons of channels there that you'd go from. 60s, 50s, 40s, but you'd only get like channel 50. In Boston, you get channel 50, channel 38, channel 56, uh, maybe sometimes 66, and maybe 25. That's the funny thing, like 4, 5, 7 would consider the networks, but you can go to 25 to get Fox even then. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally um, just went off on a tangent. I apologize. Look, if this is the last time you want to hear me talk about Matt, then I understand. I apologize. Okay, let's get back to the so, so she's the TV has nothing to do with it except that it's color. That's the only thing that stood out to me. And the kids watching Sesame Street. Uh, but Joan is calling uh, Peggy, and it was a cool little moment because Peggy's like, "Oh my God, I thought you forgot about me." And he's like, "She's like, hey, how you doing? I um, met with Ken." She's like, "Oh my God, did you say tell him I said hi?" She's like, "I don't know how you would tell him I said hi because they haven't they he, they didn't talk until just now." Um, but she wants to uh, meet. She's like, I wonder if you have a moment to uh, get some lunch. She's like, you really want to catch up? She's like, yeah, yeah. Um, he has a, um, she kind of has the proposal for him. Or she, um, she, she's like, something came up and I really thought, um, you know, um, we both thought of you. Which I don't even know was true. I think... Here's the thing. I think Ken said you need to find the producer, and Peggy and Joan was just like, uh, "I'm going to be the producer." And then when she says we both thought of you, I think Joan just said, "I'm just going to go straight to Peggy," because hey, there's a ten-page script and it has twelve hundred dollars, um, you know. And she's like, "Oh, okay, anything for a friend, and we'll we'll meet up. Um, we can we can chat when I drop off the research." She said, "Obviously not here." Um, you can see I have the episode on in the background, even though I watched it twice already. I've, I'm watching it a third time. Um, so she drops off, uh, some research to, to, um, does she drop off research? It seems like the way, the way that was worded, it seems like she dropped off the research. Then later they meet for lunch. I don't know. We'll get there. We'll get there. But, um, that race car story that I said is over is over because Don is now in LA and he shows up on Stephanie's doorstep. He's got some bag. All his stuff is in a bag. He's in a dungaree jacket. He's got this like garbage bag filled with, um, Filled with, I guess, clean clothes? I don't know. And um, he shows up on Stephanie's doorstep. And she's like, oh, my God, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, I was in L.A. And your parents told me you were here. 
And then she kind of totally switched, like, right away. She's like, oh, what the hell? Did they send you? And he's like, no, I, they gave me the address. They didn't even tell me anything else. They didn't even, the, your mother wasn't happy that I gave you money. She's like, oh, well, it's more than she'd ever done. And he's like, I just want to get, you know, I just wanted to come see you. And she thinks, um, she's like, what are you doing? She's like, not much. I'm retired. Now, I've heard him say, I think he say, I used to be in, 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 um, in accounting. And he said, I'm retired. But it seems like, I don't know if everybody else knows that. I think he just decided that on his own. Um, but they start arguing because she's like, why are you even here? Did, you, did my parents send you from some drunk date to come talk to me and guilt me? He's like, what are you talking about? I just came to see you. I wanted to see you. I wanted to see your son. He's like, what are you talking about? He doesn't even live here. He lives with, her, with, his, with his father. She's like, he's like, okay, I understand. He didn't say, I'm sorry, brought up. He just said, I understand, which I didn't. Does he understand because he's walking away from his own kids so much? I don't know exactly. But he's like, look, I wanted to see you. That's it. And I wanted to give you this. And he tried, He gives her um, Anna Draper's ring. She's like, what am I supposed to do with this? He's like, I don't know. Sell it. I, you know, it's just I thought you would want it. I, Anna always wanted you to have it. And um, he's like, I, she's like, I, you know, you could stay here. But um, he's like, what's going on with you? He's like, a lot has happened. A lot has happened. And he's kind of like. You could just see, she could tell that he looked a little, like, um, shooken up. And he's like, look, I don't want to stay too long. I just, I just want to put you out. I just wonder if I could take a shower, shave. And um, she's like, look, you can stay the night. And you can stay here, actually, because I'm not going to be here. He's like, I don't want to put you out. She says, no, I'm going up some some retreat up the coast. So I just close your eyes, and I'll, I'll, I'll make some food. He's like, okay. And he just kind of takes, oh, he says to her, do you have any liquor? Because um, all I've been drinking is beer. And she's like, I'll make you some coffee. And he just kind of you know, lays off on the couch. Speaking of laying down, we cut over to um, Roger Sterling, who's in bed now with his, um, I guess, his public girlfriend now. Not only that, but um, it's, it's more than that, actually. Because, um, well, we find this out later. I didn't pick this up till now. But it seems like... Because he says things like, oh, Canada, you don't have to worry about ever going back to Canada. She's like, my children are there. And he's like, no, with me, you don't have to worry about that anymore. So it almost seems like she's leaving Canada behind to live with him. But then she mentions that she saw her ex-husband. He's like, I t told you not to see her. Did you sleep with him? She's like, what are you doing? Because she joked about him still wanting her back so bad. And um, when she brought that up, he's like, don't you raise your voice. You're not my husband. He goes, you went up there to get a divorce. To get a divorce, I forbid you to see them. And then she just loses it. Says, you're going to leave me for some secretary and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, that's not fair. And she yells at him and kicks him off. Kicks him off. To, kicks him out of the bed. Go, we live in a stupid hotel. Go, you go in the other room and watch TV. That's your friend anyway. And um, kind of kicks him out of the room. So they just had a fight. But, you know, nothing major. Nothing that really ever comes up again. Cutting back over to California. And Stephanie's about to leave the further retreat. And instead, she looks at Don and says, and wakes him up and says, come on, you coming with me. And you could see he was just kind of like, oh, he didn't really think he just kind of went, I guess. He didn't he didn't fight it. Put it that way. Um, we cut over to uh, the the Francis residence and we see Bobby and we see Jean and Bobby scraping some toast or some burnt bread. 
And this was really tough, too, because then Sally shows up. She's like, hey, hi. Hey, guys. Hey, Sally. And Bobby's like, oh, I didn't know you were coming. She goes, oh, I just I just missed you guys. I took the train. And Bobby says, is it going to happen now? Oh. When he said that, I was just like, oh, my God. And she looked at him and she looked at Gene and she could tell that he knew. And Gene's like, um, no, they're like, Gene, get out of here. He's like, no, they go watch TV kick him out and he's like um, I, I know pretty much everything that they said uh, when, until up until they stopped fighting Henry's not here and mom's lying down that's all she can do now and she's like well it's not happening now I don't know when it's going to happen but I'm definitely not going to Madrid anymore she's like what are you doing he goes like I tried to make dinner she's like come on grab the frying pan I'll show you how to do it and I was like that is so like this was Sally being the mother that Betty can't be. I'm not going to say Betty wasn't because Betty was always doing the homemaking stuff too. Well, was she? Or does she always have help? But Sally is just stepping in and stepping up to be there for her brothers because think about it. Henry's off at work. Betty can barely do anything. And you got, you got friggin' Bobby and Jean making their own dinner. And that's awful. So Sally's going to be there to help them at least. And she's still a kid herself. <sighs> Ridiculous. It's crazy, but good for Sally to step up. And, you know, it's just a tough, tough thing in general. Um, cut over and we're at some cabin in the woods. And Stephanie and Don are left are let in by this woman. And Don, you can see, is just not buying it. He's just not into that. They're like, oh, there's someone already in here. She's like, oh, that's just the communal way. This is the woman, the host, the hippie-dippie host. Hostess or whatever she was. But she took Don's tip, so she's not that big of a hippie. Don's like, what? what is this? And he's this, like, you know, transcendentalism and divorce, uh, like all these different workshops, a creative experience, divorce. And he's like, well, she took my money at least. He's like, she be quiet. And so they... You know, like it seems like Stephanie is totally into it, smiles and laughing, and Dawn is not into it at all. And it's like, now remember, this episode opened with Dawn racing a car on like the salt flats or the desert or something. And it's like, oh, wait a minute, salt flats, Utah, Salt Lake, it's all coming together. Not all coming together, but it's all making sense in my stupid brain. Um, but they just kind of, you know, they, they check into whatever the hell this retreat's going to be. And she's like, good night, Dick. And I do like that she always calls him Dick because that's who he, that's his real name. And that's who she always knows him as. Uh, we cut back over to New York and Joan is um, in town. You know, Joan's back in her apartment. Oh, of course, she's back in her apartment because she's already talking to, uh, to Peggy. But <clears throat> all of a sudden, Roger shows up and he's like, listen. I've been revised. I just want to let you know I revised my will. And, um, you know, with with um, my daughter, I just lost. I'm dividing everything between Ellery and Kevin. And I didn't want to put you in some awkward position. You know, Kevin's, Ellery's his grandson, and Kevin is his son with Joan. And he's like, listen, I just don't want, I just want to let you know now. So that it wasn't some awkward position when all of a sudden, um, he gets a, you know, a big inheritance from some man that mommy used to work with. And she's like, oh, Greg, it doesn't matter. He's Greg's, imp you know, impregnated some 
has twins with a nurse somewhere. He's like, oh, she know he knows about Kevin. No, he doesn't know. He's just a terrible person. And I'm like, yes, yes, because Greg is is the worst. Greg, the only thing Greg gave Joan is a second last name, which will come in handy later. Because Joan Halloway became Joan Harris. Um, and uh, he's like, look, I just, you know, but it's funny. He said, um, I just, will, just wanted to let you know now that I'm getting married. And she goes, ooh, those skirts are short at McCann's. He goes, no, 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 no. Um, Actually, uh, I'm no, no, no. She's um, actually I met her through Megan Draper. She's old enough to be her mother. Actually, she is her mother. And just the, the reaction to Joan, um, the reaction of Joan was just great. Like she laughed at that, and um, you know she's like, "Good for you. You finally you got your timing right," which I thought was good. And um, he's like, "Yeah, yeah." She goes, "Well, if this is really what you want, you know, it's good. It, it's good to know that he'll be taken care of. Um, you know." If anything should happen to us. And then he gets up and he's like, come on, come over here. And the kid doesn't move. And he goes, hey, you're a rich little bastard. He goes, oh, actually, I technically is that. Which was pretty funny. We cut back over to uh, Hippy Dippy Land, whatever this retreat is, where everyone's dressed like they just left Woodstock. Except for Don, it looks like he's ready to play a round of golf. And Stephanie's all, all, all for it, all ready to go. She's, but she didn't want to leave her bag in there. That's funny. She had her bag, and Don's like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I didn't want to leave it in there. He goes, come on, you got to be open. So they're in some kind of, I don't know what the hell you call it, some kind of workshop where you just kind of walk around aimlessly, and you could just see Don not buying. He's got his arms crossed. Stephanie's all smiles and laughing, and Don's giving her looks, and she's just laughing, and she's actually enjoying, I think, that Don is not enjoying it. And it's kind of this thing where they say, walk around, no, no nothing, just kind of take it all in. Then he said, stop, look at the person next to you. With, and without conveying anything to them, let them, without talking, let them know how you feel, how, you make, how they make you feel. And a couple people hug, and Stephanie and this other guy are just touching each other's faces and giggling and smiling. And Don just looks at this woman, it's like an older woman, doesn't give anything. And she just stares at her. She stares at him, and then she just shoves him. And he's like, what? And looks around like, what the hell's going on? And I love that because, to me, that made it, that made it seem like Dawn is giving this woman, sees Dawn Draper, and the first thing she thinks of is, I want to shove this man. You know, he's given the air off of, of not welcome, not friendship, not into it, and he just wants to be pushed. And she pushed him. I thought that was cool. Cut back over to New York, and uh, um, Joan and Peggy are meeting for lunch. And I guess Joan gave her the check. And it seemed like it was a... Because she, she told her 1200 bucks for a 10-page script. And then when Joan came in just now to give Peggy whatever check it was, um, Peggy's like, holy shit. So it seems like either there's more to it, or this is they've been doing a little more work. Um but it's funny, Joan is like, listen, I want, she just lays it out for her. She goes, I think we could turn, I could turn this into an actual business. And, and uh, you know, and I want you to come with me. And I could become a real producer and we can make these things. And it would be called um, Harris Olson because you need two names to make it sound official. She's like, are you serious? He goes, yeah, you'd be my partner. We'd hire writers. And um, she's like, uh, I don't know. And Joan went from like, 
you know, she's like, we don't have to answer to anyone. We can make our own business. We can do something with our own name. And Peggy was just like, oh, I don't know. I'm so flattered. At the moment she says, I'm not sure, Peggy Joan went from like this confident, big, cocky smile to just like, what? It's like, are you serious? Like, I can't believe you're even like thinking about this. How could you work at that place? And she's like, it's like a huge decision. She's like, okay. Well, I have to know by the end of the week. She's like, okay, for you to um, to find a partner? She goes, no, to find a writer. The partnership was only for you. So it seems like Joan's doing this no matter what. She needs writers. But if, but if Peggy came, she'd make her a partner, which I thought was pretty flattering. And uh, I think Joan was, I mean, Peggy was pretty proud too because she was like, but totally overwhelmed. So she downed that bloody Mary they were drinking pretty, pretty quickly. Um, my God, this episode is really chock full of stuff. I'm going on and on and I feel like like I still have a ton to talk about uh, we cut back over to uh, the communal place whatever and we're now on another workshop and this is the one where it's like how do you feel and this woman is running the workshop played by Helen Slater you may know her from such movies as Supergirl or some CW show called Supergirl or The Legend of Billie Jean or Smallville Really, mostly Superman-related stuff uh, that I know her from, and the Legend of Billie Jean. But she's hosting this um, this whatever workshop it is, and Stephanie's in there, and Stephanie is presenting or speaking right now, and she's like, he's like, what do these people make you feel like? She's like, they make me feel like I'm being judged, and and that's I feel like that. Like I feel like anytime people see me, they're probably I'm thinking. They're probably thinking about me, and they aren't. It's like kind of feeling like if you go to a gym, and you're like, oh, "I gotta go work out in this corner," and every time I'm gonna look like an idiot, and people are gonna stare at me. And guess what? Nobody gives a shit about me. And that's like when this when she it just made me think of that because she's like, "I feel like everyone's judging me." Like, why are we judging? We're not even thinking about you. But this is a little more different because she is sharing, and she talked about um, <clears throat> not having her daughter, and she thinks people are gonna. You know, I feel like my people think I'm a bad daughter, and, people, and I think of my parents who don't. I wonder. I feel like I'm a failure, and I should have. I should have been a better mother. I should have been. Be, I should have enjoyed being a mother. And there's a guy there. Who, I think it's the guy sleeping in the room with them. He's like, life is filled with shoulds. And she's like, yeah, but I. I feel like I'm a letdown. And then this other woman's like, well, you know, she's like, I want to better myself. And the woman goes, oh, so you can be with your daughter? She's like, no, which. I don't get, but she, she doesn't want to be a mother. So she wants to better herself, but she doesn't want to be a mother. Um, and the woman's like, um, um, the other, this other woman goes, you know, just, I want to let you know how that makes me feel, um, for your child, which is sad. She goes, my mother left me and for the rest of your life, your child will be looking through at a door waiting to see you come through it. And this woman was 100% right. And Stephanie is too immature to see that. I think this is me thinking. And Stephanie is was so immature that she just was like, huh, and she left the room like in a huff and a puff, crying. And Don like looked at this woman like, "What the hell's wrong with you?" And but again, I don't disagree with this woman. He chases Stephanie out of the room, and she's like, um, "You know, what, what do you want?" He's like, "I just, 
goes, what are you even doing here? She starts yelling at me. You show up with some family heirloom. I'm not even in my family. What, what are you doing? You don't know me. You don't know what's going on. It's like, I know you can get through this. I know that you can live and get by this. I know how people work. And you can, you can move on from this. And you can live forward. It's easier to just move forward. It'll get easier. And she's like, I don't think it will. And I feel like Dawn is, um, that was Dawn's motto. It'll just be easier if you move forward. You know, like you, the name, taking someone's name. Um, just move forward with it. You'll get through it. You know, don't look back. Don't think about it. Uh, marry with Betty. Bang everything in sight. Just look, you know, got a girlfriend every every season. Got a new girlfriend. Just keep moving forward. Oh, Peggy's, Be- uh, Betty's gone. Hey, Megan, you're cool. Want to go to California with me and my kids and you can take care of them? Cool. While you're here, I'm going to tell you something. Want to get married? Cool. Move forward. Oh, Megan, you want to be an actress? Kind. Move forward. You want to move to California? We'll make it work. Um, move forward. Doctor wife, banging. Boom, boom, boom. Just keep moving forward, moving forward, moving forward. And the woman, Stephanie's like, you know what? I don't think it will. It, I don't think it works that way all the time. She's like, I need to go lie down. She leaves them behind. And Donna's just like, Huh, I see. And I think that kind of, you know, leaving him alone for the second and not listening to him and him being, him hearing, like, it doesn't always work that way, I think may have gotten to him. Cutting back over to um, uh, New York and Peggy is hanging out in her office, not working, and Stan's like, I'm going to be heading out. Good night. What are you doing? She's like, I'm just kind of looking at all these four walls here. And she's like, oh, well, if you're not working, why don't we catch up? And again, remember where this episode started to where it ended. Um, so Stan shows up and they they shoot the shit a little bit. And she says about Joan offering her a business, something to put her own name on, something where she could be the boss. And Stan's like, you don't even do that. He goes like, you're always, he, he basically said, you're always looking over your shoulder at what could be next. Um, and, you know, you don't realize what you have is so good. It's like, you don't even like working here. It's like, that's growing on me. And then she's like, you're never trying to better yourself. He goes, no, I just know that I'm good at my job. And I, and I accept that I'm good at my job. And I like that. And she's like, that's, that's the talk of a failure. And he just leaves. He's like, you know what? I, I hope you're drunk because you're going to need an excuse. I'm going home. He says, there's more to life than work. And he's right about that. And I think Peggy's been focused on work so much in her life that she just kind of looked at him like, huh, okay. Uh, but you know, she was, um, you know, they, they're going to have a drink and, and hang out, but she was kind of, uh, when, when it didn't go exactly the way that she wanted, you know, the fact that, um, he wasn't jumping with a hooray that Joan offered her the job. Um, then she kind of turned, just like, you just like, you're, you're a failure, but she was pretty much projecting where it's like, look, you're not. Am I a failure if I don't do this? I think that's what I got out of it. Um, but she kind of was a jerk to him, and uh, he just he called her on it. He goes, "You're gonna, you're gonna apologize to this later because you, you'll be drinking." Uh, cut back to the communal, whatever retreat. Now, when Stephanie stormed off, guess what? That was pretty much the last time we really hear from her. We were it's nighttime in in the retreat, and Don's in his bed. And Stephanie shows up and she has a lantern, wherever she was, who knows. She walks in 
um, lies down on the bed. She does what she kind of has this like deadpan look on her face, turns the lantern off, and that's it. And that's the last time we see Stephanie. I don't know. Don't know what happened. But I feel like this whole, you know, the Don Draper thing of just running away, maybe, you know, guess what? It works when I, other people do it too. She couldn't deal with it to the point where she just left him there, which, you know, immature, sure. Irresponsible, sure. I don't know. Cut back over to New York and... Um, Joan is with her boyfriend. She's making him some coffee. And he's like, he seemed like he just woke up and left. He waited for people to leave, like his mother, her mother. And um, then, like, this is where things just kind of, what? Something goes from zero to 60 really quick. He sees that she has a Rolodex out. And she's like, oh, I'm, I'm meeting these people today. They're for a business lunch. He goes, a business lunch. And he looks around and he goes, because you're starting a business. What are you doing? She's like, I'm doing something that I think I can make something. And he goes back to the dickish way of, look, I can give you everything. I can make you happy. We can get married. Or we don't have to get married. Or blah, blah, blah. She's like, if you want to get married, get married. I want you in my life. But Joan's like, this is something I want to do. He's like, look, I don't want, I don't want you to have to choose. I'm not rooting for you to fail, he says. I'm not rooting for you to fail so that I can be with you. She's like, what? She's like, we can have this in my life, too. He goes, no, because then you'll be focusing more on this. He goes, I don't want you to act like this is something that happened to you. This is something you want. And the phone starts ringing. And she's like, um, you should probably, you want to get that? She's like, I don't have to get it, but I do. I probably should. So she gets the phone, and she's like, hello, Joan Harris speaking. Please hold one second. And he's like, she's like, wait, wait, Richard. And she's like, you're being silly. And he just looks at her, puts on his sport coat, and he's like, good luck, Joan. He, look, I'm going to say it right now. This dude is a dick. And I thought, and it's so funny, at the beginning of the episode, I thought, you know what? Maybe Joan finally found a guy who loves her and wants to be with her and accepts everything about her. But guess what she found? She found a guy who, who really likes her who enjoys spending time with her, but doesn't want to share her with herself. Doesn't want to have her to have her own life. Oh, I can't. I'm sorry. You need to focus on everything on me and just enjoy life. I can give you everything except uh, what, you know, the ability to make your, make something of yourself. You don't have to do that anymore because you have me. But if you want to do it, well, then you can't have me because that's too much time. I, I don't want to share you with your, with your business, your work. Bullshit. So guess what? Richard, you're a dick. And the first thought I thought was, oh, maybe this is finally, her and her and Roger are going to end up together after all. That's not going to happen. That's never going to happen. Roger has found his love. And Joan, Joan has her son. And guess what? She has her work. And if she can't have Roger, screw it. She's not giving up her friggin' her, her dream. That she's, that she's starting to build something. She's not giving that up for uh, that old coot. That old some bitch. So he literally walked out of the show, walked out of her life, and she you know, has this look of like, I can't believe this just happened to me, look on her face. And then she kind of like gets her, act, gets her kind of composure together and picks up the phone and then just puts on that Joan voice, that Joan like, no matter what, I can put on the cheeriest voice and make you feel comfortable. 
And she's like, hi, how are you? Like, it was amazing. She covered the phone, uncovered the phone, and then boom, put on this smile. It was awesome. We cut over to um, the um, back to the retreat, and Dawn wakes up, and Stephanie's bed is empty. She goes, he goes outside and sees the dude there. Um, they're in the the cabin with, and she's like, "Oh yeah, she took off a few hours ago. I don't know where she was going. I didn't know I was supposed to, man." Oh, by the way, he's naked. He's hanging out reading in the book, uh, reading a book naked. He goes to the main desk, and he's like, how do I get out of here? Because um, the person I was with left without the car, with the car, and I don't have one. He's like, oh, um, you could, you could, um, we can call you a car, and it'll be here in a couple days. Or you could try hitchhiking, but that doesn't go very well, thanks to Charlie Manson. She's like, look, you, you, she'll probably be back, but you can stay here the rest of the week. You're already paid up. And Don's like, people just come and go, and they don't even say goodbye anymore. And she's like, I'm sorry, but people are free to come and go. I almost feel like, um, like, was that, was that directed at Betty? I don't know. Um, like, people come and go. They don't say goodbye anymore. But guess what, Don? You're one of those people. You just come and go, and you don't say goodbye anymore. So the fact that you even say that, it's like a little hypocritical. Uh, but the exact, the next moment we cut over... And we get the second time in this episode, person to person. We have a person to person girl from Peggy Olson for Peggy Olson from Mr. Donald Draper. She's like, uh, okay, yeah, I accept. You can see the look of like, what's going on here? <coughs> she answered the phone and she's like, Don, where the hell are you? She just starts yelling at him right away. She's like, you know, everyone's angry at you. He's like, I don't know, I'm somewhere in California. And he just called. He's like, did everything fall apart without me? She's like, it's not about that. You just took off. People are worried. Um, what, are you, what have you been doing? He's like, I don't even know. I have no idea what I've been doing. You can see he just kind of, I don't know. Maybe he just needed a friendly, a friendly voice to call. And he, starts, he calls Peggy. And then he just kind of, you know, she's like, well, you can come home. People, you know, they'll take you back. I know you like to get, you get sick of things and you run off. But you can come back home. You know, you, people like you can come back here. People have done it before in the past, and um, they take you back in a second. I'm like, I can't, I I can't do anything. So don't you want to work on coke? It's like I I got nothing to come back to. I I can't. I I ruined everything. I ruined. Uh, you know, I broke my vows. I've scandalized my child. Um, I've I've taken another person, another man's name. Um, and she didn't react to that one. I don't know. I don't, that's the first time. But he's like, I messed everything up. I, I can't. And it's just like, it's almost like he's confessing everything to, um, she's like, I'm not the man you think I am. And it's like, you can see Peggy's like, what the hell's going on here? And he's like, I, um, he confesses all these things to, to her. He's like, I, because she's like, what have you ever done that's so bad? That's when he says, I broke all my vows. I scandalized my child, which I believe that's because child walked in. Sally walked, child. Sally walked in on him and doctor wife, you know, doing it. Um, he's like, I took another man's name. And he's like, I made nothing out of it. I've done nothing with it. She's, she's, she's like crying. She starts tearing up. He starts tearing up. And she's like, that's not true. Um, you know, you come home. He's like, look. Why did you even call? Because I just, I just wanted to. I just realized I never got a chance to. I never said goodbye to you. She's like, I don't think you should be alone right now. He's like, I'm not. I'm, I'm in a crowd of people. He goes, well, I'll, I'll, we'll, 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 um, 
we'll catch we'll catch up we'll catch up and he hangs up the phone and that took so much out of her that he's just kind of almost having a panic attack you know he's sitting down lying down he's, he just got breathing he, he's hanging up under the payphone just like they can't even he couldn't even um deal with what just happened peggy couldn't deal with what just happened so she just the first thing she does the first person she thinks to call now think about this because this is coming handy but when you think about it, the first person she calls is stan and stan's working downstairs and she's like i just got the phone with don draper he's like what what the hell um he's like what, what does he want she goes he's i don't know he's somewhere in california he goes i don't think he's uh, i don't think he's well he's like ah, i don't worry he does this all the time um you know, he, he, he'll, he'll get around to it. He'll come back. I'm really worried about him. And, um, you know, remember when I say where this episode starts, where it ends, so much happens? Well, this is a very key moment. Um, he's like, look, he says to him, he'll be okay. He'll come back. He's a survivor. He's like, you didn't hear him. You know, he wasn't making any sense. And he's like, look, you got to let him go. It doesn't mean you don't care about him. Um, and she stops for a second. And then she says, listen. I'm sorry that I said all those mean things. So she switches over to apologize and say, I'm sorry about those mean things. I, I didn't mean them. Um, I don't believe them. And he's like, look, you're great going wherever you're going, whatever you're going to do. She's like, well, I, I think you're right, but I, I decided I'm going to stay. You know, he's like, oh, good, because I didn't want you to leave. She's like, well, why didn't you say so? And then they have this banter because he's like, every time I, I'm face to face with you, I want to strangle you. She's like, huh? Because then I miss you, and then you go away, and then I talk to you, and then I want to see you again, and then I want to be with you. And he's like, "What?" He goes, I, "He goes, she's like that's not true." He goes, "Yeah." He goes, "I don't know what it is." He says, "I'm standing in front of you. It brings out something terrible." Uh, but then I miss you, and then I I think about you and how I want how you came into my life, and he's like, I think about how you came into my life, how crazy it was, and he's like, "I I see you. I'm not with you, and then I want to be with you, and I don't even know what it is." And he's like, "I want to be with you," and she's like, "What?" That was my favorite part of the episode. I watched it a couple of times when he's like, I want to be with you. And Peggy says, she goes, what? What did you just say? And he's like, I love you. And he, she's like, I want to be with you. I love you. He goes, what? And she's like, what, what are you talking about? He goes, I, she goes, I don't even, what, she's like, what? what are you even talking about? I, I, like, she starts saying, I can't breathe. I can't catch my breath. What, why would you even say that? I don't even, I, I, I don't even think about you. She goes, well, I do think about you. You don't think about you here at work, but you're also here. She touches her heart, even though he can't tell. And she's like, um, I don't, I don't even know because, because then I talk to you and everything you see makes you feel better. And she goes, well, then it, maybe I must, I, I must, like, this was amazing acting right here. She's like, I, like, he, um, she just like I don't even like I mean I do think about you but because you're there but you're also here she touches her heart like I'm sorry I'm watching it as I'm saying it and um, I don't know she just she's like I, I guess I do I, I don't because you're always there and you always make me feel better and you always say the right thing and you, I always look for you to comfort and maybe I do oh my god do I and then she's like hello Stan Stan I, I think I do and like you could see she's like trying to talk herself out of it almost she goes but, but I must I, I mean right because you're always right you're always right so if you say it i and then she starts talking and he doesn't um like she's he she doesn't hear from him she's like i can't believe this i think i'm in love with you too and there's no response and she's like stan stan and then all of a sudden you hear boom, 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 boom. he runs into the office and she looks at him she says i love you and he just runs up and gives her and they start kissing and it's like 
where the frick did this come from? And yet at the same time, it makes perfect sense. They've just been together for years. They've been, they've been the couple that you're like, oh, those two belong together. Like the joking, the, 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 like the banter, the arguing even. They just complete each other. And for years, it's been this way. And it was awesome. This was like, you know, guess what? Peggy also got the happy ending. She got the she got someone she loves, and um, she's staying at her job and she's doing really good at her job. And she doesn't care, you know. Thanks for the offer, Joan, but I'm happy with the job I have. Uh, cut back, which was just great. This was pretty much the end of Peggy's story. That right there, it was pretty spectacular. Um, but I mean, we see her again, but that's the end of the story. There's like a little montage, but um, cut back over and and Don's still hanging out under the. Uh, the payphone, and they're like, "Oh, are you okay?" The woman comes up. Uh, Helen Slater is like, "Have you taken something?" He's like, "No, no." She goes, "Why don't you come to my um, my meeting?" She's like, "No, I don't." He's like, "No, I don't want to do that." She goes, "You know, I don't like walking in alone. Come on, I'm going to be late. Please come with me." So, actually, you know, she was running this one. But she's not running. She's not running the place, the retreat, the whatever workshop they're going to. But she does get Don to go with them. And Don goes with them, and it's this kind of thing where people are sharing things. Uh, and they're, you know, we see the tail end of that the guy. I can't think of his name. He's a very funny actor. He's in Stranger Things now. He was naked earlier in the episode, and he was just in this moment um, finishing up sharing. And then um, this other guy gets up here, Len Leonard or something like that, and he's a very nondescript guy. Very, very plain looking gentleman. And he just gives some crazy emotional speech where he talks about, you know, uh, and I'm going to try to do this from memory because I watched it twice. I'm not going to look at the TV anymore. But he talks about, you know, um, I just feel like, you know, this guy, they're like, he talked for a while, but uh, he's interesting. I don't think I'm very interesting. I don't feel interesting. Uh, you know, I, I, I work in an office. People walk right by me. They don't really notice me there. I come home with my family and, um, I see my wife and my kids and, and they don't even look up to see me. They don't, they don't think of anything much. Um, and it's like, I feel like, um, I'm not even there. I'm not there to even notice when he said that Don kind of looked up like, um, like, huh? What? Like that seemed to resonate with Don. Don was like staring off into space. Um, you know, not even really paying attention. And then the guy's like, I don't know. He goes, I, he says, um, like, it's like no one cares that I'm gone. And when he said that, Don just kind of has this look. He looks up like he just kind of glances up like it took him out. It took him out of the funk, out of the funk that he's been in. Not, not since the beginning, but like since at least the phone call um, with, with um, Peggy. And the guy's like, you know, he's like, maybe they miss me. I don't know. But then he tells about this dream, which like is seem, seems kind of silly, but it was also like really heartbreaking where he's like, I'm inside a refrigerator and it's dark and someone opens the refrigerator, the lights go on and they're happy to see me, but they don't, they, maybe they're not looking right at me and they don't choose me. And then they close the door again and it's dark. I can hear them enjoying themselves out there, but I'm in here alone. And the guy just starts breaking down. 
crying. And um, when he starts crying, Don just stands up and goes over and hugs the guy. And Don starts crying. And I think this guy kind of got through to Don, or at least maybe this whole thing, this retreat, this idea of self-improvement got to Don because this guy really resonated with him and Don felt the need to go up and hug this guy to make him feel better. But also I think to make, I don't know, to make Don feel better because, you know, the guy, Don, I think, you know, felt like this guy saying, you know, no one cares that I'm gone. And is Don, does Don, does Don feel that way? I mean, think about it. He calls his daughter and she's like, look, I just want to let you know, but listen, don't, we don't want to live with you. The kids, the boys don't shouldn't live with you. Just keep doing your own thing. You're off on your own. He calls Peggy. I mean, Betty. And Betty's like, listen, you shouldn't come home. I don't want you at home. Everything should be normal. You'll see the kids just as much as you normally do. We don't want to screw them up. That, you know, basically things are better off without you being here. Then he calls Peggy. Now, Peggy is the only one who says, come back. You should come back. And think about that. That, that kind of busts my whole argument now that I think about it. But Peggy is like, we need you here. And Don's like, oh, did it, did, it, did it collapse without me being there? So in other words, Don thinks, look, you don't need me there. Everything's running just fine without me there. My family seems to be doing fine without me there. Even with mom dying, they can be without me. They even, does anybody even need me? You know, Betty, gone. Megan, gone. My business is still running. My kids still running. Everyone's doing all their things. Nothing fell apart without me being there. So was I even worth it? Was I even, did I even need to be there? You know? And this guy has a similar thing where he's like, does they even matter? Does they even matter? He starts breaking down. And I think that got to Don. And Don's like, oh my God. And he goes in. I don't know if he said, oh my God. But Don starts breaking down hugging. And they just have this moment of, of hug. I don't know what you want to say. Just this kind of hugging moment and like that was pretty much the end of the episode because then we go to this kind of little montage where we see Pete and Trudy and Tammy coming out of a limo and getting into a Learjet. They're living the dream. True, They got the happy ending um, and uh, it was like this is you know, welcome. they're like welcome aboard sir and they get on the Learjet and they're living the happy dream. And then we go over to Joan's office. And Joan's got all these storyboards and calendars. And she's run this whole... She's created this production company. And she's running it out of her office. And she's like... Kisses her mother. And the mother leaves, I think, with Kevin. And then she goes over to the kitchen table. And it's filled with stuff. And she's got a secretary answering the phone. And I love that the secretary answers the phone. Halloway Harris, how can I help you? And think about it. Joan, it was Joan Halloway. Then she married um, and became Joan Harris. And remember, she said, Harris Olsen, it, need, it needs to have two names to sound, uh, just to, to make it official. Well, Joan, well, Peggy decided to stay. So Joan's like, well, screw it. I have two names, Halloway Harris. Now it sounds official because it's Halloway Harris. So she's got, so she's got her own thing. This is kind of the little montage of her. Um, and then we cut over and there's Roger. And um, and uh, Marie, I don't know if they're married, but it's funny. They're in like this little little French restaurant and there's an old couple there. And Marie's like, oh, look, 
someday that'll be us. And Roger goes, yeah, tomorrow, which I thought was a great line. And then the waiter comes over and, he's, and he says in French, I would like two lobsters and a bottle of champagne for my, for my mother here. And you can see them laughing. You see them happy together, which is like, oh, good. They're happy together, too. So, like, there are some happy endings in this. And then we see, um, um, oh, well, okay. So there's, there's one happy, non-so-happy ending. So there's Sally doing all the dishes. She's doing the work. She's stepping up because Betty can't. Instead, Betty's just at the kitchen table reading a newspaper and smoking. And I thought about this, and I'm like, really? Like, oh, and, the, and like the table, the kitchen table is a mess with like the kids' stuff. So I guess it'll be cleaned up when Sally cleans it up. So now Sally, is this what Sally's going to be doing for at least the time being? Like, you feel bad. Hopefully, you know, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully she'll go back to school soon. But right now she's just there to step up. And I just, look, I just, I feel bad for Betty. I do. She's been given the raw deal with her with Don. She's been given the raw deal with her health. But seeing her smoking and not even looking at her daughter who's scrubbing up dishes just infuriated me. And um, look, I've I you know we've had family friends who are dying of cancer and are smoking because they're like, what the hell is the difference at this point? So I guess I don't. And this is in like the 2000s. So it's like, you know, at this point, the world knows. You know, I, th I feel like even in 1970, maybe people are still not 1,000% sure about the, the connection of cigarettes and lung cancer. But um, the, you know, so I've seen, so maybe then you could say, okay, you know, she's going to keep smoking. But don't you remember the last episode? Henry um, took her pack of cigarettes and crumbled them up and threw them in the back seat. She doesn't seem to care. She just, she is so into the appearance of keeping everything as good as possibly can that all of a sudden, like one day, she'll be dead and the boys will just be like, huh, what happened? And I feel like, isn't that what her mother did? Where her mother put up, kept up such appearances that all of a sudden, yep, your mother's gone. What? What? And that's what she's doing again, which, I mean, you want to say... Okay, the kids don't have to deal with seeing her suffer and they don't have to be worried. But you know what? You're being you're being naive because Bobby knows. And Bobby can't even say anything. He just knows that mom lies down and lies around all day. And he can't say anything. And she thinks she's being like putting this perfect um, like I'm going to keep everything as good as it can be. The kids don't need to worry. Well, guess what? You got your daughter there scrubbing all the dishes. Who knows where the F Henry is? And you got Bobby who knows and is trying to. It almost burns the freaking house down trying to cook dinner for Jean. I'm annoyed. And I will stay annoyed at Betty. Even though she got a raw deal. Ugh. And then we cut over to Peggy who seems to be writing a letter. And at first I thought, oh, she's writing a letter of resignation. She's going to join, join, join Joan. But no, she's happy at her job. She's happy with the work she's doing. And she's got her man. He comes over and gives a little smooch on the head. And they're happy together. And, you know, and then we cut over to Don looking off the California coast. And, you know, I, I, until this moment, I never saw Mad Men. Um, I never watched, you know, I never watched the series when it was on. I didn't know anything about it. And, but I do remember seeing clips of the season series finale of Mad Men. And it was always that same clip. It was always Don, cross-legged, 
on some beach in California um, doing some sort of retreat. And I remember seeing, seeing headlines. Is this, you know, is this, what do you think of the end of the episode? What do you think of the last episode of Mad Men? Blah, blah, blah. And that's what most, you know, so many blogs now are just like, what did you think of this? This is why I was wrong. What did you think of this? This is why I was wrong. And blah, blah, blah. And I hate most internet news blogs are just hot garbage when you really think about it. Um, and, but I, but I never read any of those articles. So I don't know how people thought about these episodes. Um, but I always do about that one shot of Don with his eyes closed. And, you know, you couldn't avoid it. So this isn't a complete shock that it happens. I didn't realize it was the last, 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 last thing we see is, you know, all these people cross-legged on the beach, you know, ready to do some sort of like, Yo- not yoga, but like uh, meditation or something. Om. And Don seems to have bought into this new idea, this new you. And he hits a, little, hits a little bell, ding. And they're going, Om. And Don's into it. He's like, Om. Om. And he's got this little smile on his face, almost like, I'm, I'm going, I found inner peace. I'm finding inner peace. And it was like that guy, maybe that guy got through to him. To, and who knows how long has passed between that and this could be a couple days could be a week you know he looks rested he looks like he's got clean clothes on his hair is all neat he's he's cleanly shaven so this isn't the same day this is like some time has passed and he's still there uh, and he seems to have you know fully bought in and maybe that guy got to him and he realized look and I'm this is my hope I'm going to make myself feel better I'm going to finish this I'm going to, you know, and not, then I'm going to go home, see my kids, take care of my kids. All that's going to happen because he's still going to do that. But it feels like, I th- but at this moment, I'm taking this moment to find the inner peace, to be like, oh, 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 and just like this little smirk on his face, like, ah, I did it. And then the show goes away. It fades off, and the last thing we hear is, I'd like to buy the world. I'd like to buy the world a Coke. And it's the last, and that's the last thing we hear is this little commercial. It's kind of interesting that the show doesn't fade away. Actually, it fades into this classic Coke commercial. Now, am I trying to think, did Peggy create this commercial? Is that what we're hoping? I don't know. That's my first thought was, did Peggy create this commercial? Did this commercial already happen? But it ends with, I'd like to buy the world a Coke and teach the world to sing. I'd like to buy the world. What a world today. And blah, it's the real thing. And that's how it ends. And I was, and I'm like, that is wild that it ends with this Coke commercial because the whole being of Mad Men and 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 uh, Don Draper was creating these commercials, and Peggy's like, "Don't you want to come work on Coke? Don't you want to come, you know, come back for Coke?" And he's like, "No." And it seems like that that was the big get was Coke, and it kind of ends, you know, but it was also a hippy dippy kind of. I like to teach the world. Da, da. Um, there's definitely some symbolism there. I wish I can grasp it all. I kind of get it, but I can't verbalize it. It's like, you know, this is the the consumerism, but also the, like, um, perfect harmony 
just kind of the juxtaposition of those two things. I don't know, man. I don't know. But I do know one thing. That's how it ended. And that is the end of Mad Men. It's very weird to be on Netflix, to finish an episode of Mad Men and not see, here's the next episode. Here's the next episode. Watch the next episode. That's never happened to me before. I finished Mad Men and it says, hey, watch Tiger King. I'm like, no. Not that I don't want to watch it. It's that I'm, I'm already watching it with my wife. So this is, um, yeah, this is it. I'm done. We did it. Now listen, this is the last made man. This is it. The last time I'm talking about Mad Men, but this is not the last. Look, this was the last Mad Men episode, but as I've said before, it's not the last made man. Now, before I get there, let's just um, let's talk about what we saw here. I mean, Pete, happy ending. Roger, happy ending. Joan, happy ending. Peggy, happy ending. Betty, not a happy ending. Sally, not really a happy ending. Don, I guess a happy ending? It's like a... Ending where he's found happiness, I suppose. Um, it is a lot happened in this episode. And a lot happened in this episode. Because I feel this is the longest I've ever gone, I think. Uh, but look, when you got a long episode, you got a lot to talk about. And um, I, I don't even know how much more I can, I can say into this. I mean, Joan, she chose work. And good for her. But remember, Stan said to, to Peggy, uh, not everything, there's more to life than work. And Peggy realized, you know, I, I like my job. I'm good at my job. You're right. And, oh, by the way, they're in love with each other. And yay. That makes me happy. Uh, but also, I'm very happy for Joan. that she's She is, uh, you know, she could have just uh, almost retired with what she made. And then Roger's leaving stuff for the son. So it's like she definitely could have retired, probably. But no, she wants more. And she wants and she wants to create more. And she's doing it. And so that's pretty awesome, even though that Richard guy had didn't really want to deal with it. So screw him. He's out of here. Um, I feel bad for Stephanie, because Dawn was kind of thrust upon her. But who, she probably would still have gone through these same things at the retreat. So that didn't change anything. But she couldn't even, you know... She couldn't even deal with that. She runs away from her kid or whatever, pass off her kid. And she wants to better herself and feel better herself, but not to be a mother, just to feel better for herself. So I don't think I like her very much for those reasons. Um, then at the same time, Don is off there still, and he didn't race right home to see his kids. But he was going to until they all told him, no, we're better off without you. Which has got to be a, uh, you know, a punch to the gut, I would say. Um, folks, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I think we did it. And as much as I said, happy Tuesday, it's going to be Wednesday by the time this gets up. And here's the big thing. Here's the big news. Thursday night. 
8 p.m. on YouTube. I'm going to be live. 100% live. I'm doing it live. I'm going to be talking about Mad Men in general. Just kind of an overflow, an overflow. It's kind of an, an after show. The Made Man after show. Live on YouTube, Thursday night, 8 p.m. You can find it by going to fansnotexperts.com slash live. That'll bring you directly to the show. Now, I don't expect anybody to really show up, but I'm doing it, and I'm going to enjoy it, and it's probably only going to be for about a half hour, so it's not going to be very long. I'm just going to talk about the show a little bit, talk about um, the the characters and what I thought of them at the beginning and kind of what I thought of them at the end. And um, I'm probably going to say I'm a lot. Now, if you can't make Thursday night's show, fear not, because I will be taking that show, taking the audio, and posting it as a regular old podcast that you will find here. You know, I don't want to even say anymore because I don't want to talk about it overall. I wanted to talk just about this episode and this episode only. I'm going to share everything else Thursday night in the kind of wrap-up finale of Made Man. This tonight was celebrating the finale of Mad Men. Thursday night is celebrating the finale of Made Man. <sighs> so until then, you know, I would say um, thank you. Thank you for staying with me and coming along with me on this journey. I've heard from people um, from various parts of the country. I've heard from people from various parts of the world, which is amazing. The fact that anybody out there is taking the time to listen to little old me is, is flattering because I'm the kind of kid who growing up would make tapes of himself talking, doing shows for himself, for nobody to ever listen to. So podcasting to me is like that same thing. It's like I'm doing a show for myself. And the fact that other people out there listening is mind-boggling. So from the bottom of my heart to the top of my heart? Yeah, I don't, I don't know where I was going with that. I sincerely want to thank you. I want to thank you as I have been taking this journey. As I can sincerely say this journey has been going for almost two years. I think I don't think it's been over two years. I'm going to keep talking in this voice now because once I've hit it, it's kind of hard to leave it and come back. Well, maybe I could. Look, I left it and now I'm back. I did it. Amazing. So, I want to thank you for coming along with me and continuing this journey as I did it, ladies and gentlemen. I did it. Thursday night, we say goodbye. But ladies and gentlemen, <coughs> this is harder than I thought. I did it. I have finally become the Maid Man. Go to iTunes, rate, review. That is how I can be found. That is how we can get more people to listen to me babble on about a show that I should have been watching years ago. I should have been watching it. But because I started watching it now, 
I have 90 episodes for this journey. So come with me on this journey as I become a made man. Fans not experts.